It's now time to go around the nation in Division Three football. And here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. No, I mean, in all honesty, sometimes I think we're in great shape, and sometimes I think we're never going to finish this thing. That's because kickoff is like, it would be like 400 pages if it were a magazine. We're talking about previewing uh, 248 teams in Division Three football, ranking them from top to bottom. Uh, I'm Pat. That was Keith. Uh, you heard just a moment ago, and that's what we've been working on right now over the course of the past few weeks. Keith and I and Ryan Tips and Adam Turr and then, you know, a dozen or so not enough writers across the country um, have been working on this. We'd like to have had a few more, but uh, we're, we're making do. Uh, I've talked to 23 Division three head football coaches already with a handful more to go. Um, and we're still chasing down that one coach that doesn't want to talk to us. And we're at our wits end about what to do with that. But we'll figure that out in a little bit. As a, one. We, we got more than one. <laughs> well, there's one that refuses to talk to us. There's a handful that we just haven't gotten to yet, right? I think. And there's more than one. Uh, <laughs> Ouch. In, in any case. Welcome to 2016. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about this point in the season, though, Pat, is going to that place, I guess, in your mind where you left off at some point in November or December, depending on whether you follow all the way to the Stag Bowl like you and I do, or whether you just watch a team until week 11 and then kind of check out on D3. As we start up here again in August, you know, it, it, it takes a little bit of refreshing. Uh, you know, you probably know the team that you follow pretty well, but you don't know who's good uh, throughout the conference, who's good throughout the country, who's back, who's transferred, Um you know who's back from injury, and that's kind of the the you know kick in kick in kick off is uh is here to fill in all those blanks, and uh, you know one of the 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 things that's standing out right now is is um, just thinking about who the key players are going to be this season. You got Sam Riddle back at Linfield. You got Jordan Roberts at St. Thomas. Um, you know we, you released All Americans. Uh, a couple weeks ago, so those are kind of the key guys. But but the the real amazing thing, I guess, is finding out um, who the next wave of guys are, and that's one of the the goals and kickoff. If you're new to the Around the Nation podcast, uh, first of all, thanks for uh, downloading us and uh, giving us a listen. Um, we are, uh, uh, you know, Keith and I have been doing this. Did we decide earlier this was the tenth season? Twelfth. Twelfth. No, twelfth season of kickoff, but it's oh. like the. It might just be 10 or 8 or 9 years of Around the Nation podcast, right? Oh. It was the year you were working at USA Today and I wasn't anymore. It should be like 05, Seven? Yeah, all right. I don't know. Good question. You know, I, I, it would have to be 07, I think. That's true. But, um, the, the years are starting to run together yeah. in, in all seriousness. And, and you know, as you and I sit back and, and start to organize um, the kickoff magazine, it's not technically a magazine because it's all online, but... Uh, we have these memories that will pop into our head of scores or occurrences, teams that beat other teams. And we're like, was that last year? Is that the 29-24 game? Yeah, yeah. You know, it could be from like, yeah, 2011, 2013, not just 2015. So not part that of the- Wesley Johns Hopkins game, the other Wesley Johns No, no, the other, other Wesley Johns Hopkins yeah, game. Part of this exercise for us, of course, is just refamiliarizing ourselves with last season, getting getting ready for 2016. And that's what we want everyone out there who, who downloads kickoff. Um, and, and gets a chance to read through it to experience as well. And so this podcast during the season is a weekly event. It involves Skype. Um, 
today, uh, Keith and I are you know, one of those three days of the year. Basically, we're in the same place. Uh, two days where we do kickoff and you know a day and a half at the Stag Bowl. Yep, is pretty much it. Uh, Keith and I used to work uh, about two desks away from each other, and now we work about uh, a thousand miles away from each other. But uh, that's okay. Uh, we do, there's still some things where, you know, ranking 248 teams from top to bottom still makes sense to get in the same room to do that. Um, because I think we would drive each other crazy if we were doing it on Skype. Well, and the, the cool thing, of course, about you moving out to Minnesota from the East coast is that it helps us cover a lot more ground D3 wise. So for you, you know, you get to see Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa teams a lot more frequently than I do. I see teams in the mid Atlantic. We got Adam Turr who's based out of Cincinnati right now. Um, and you know, all of our other writers around the country. So, uh, we, we tend to, you know, we obviously get out to games, more games this way than, than we did when we were uh, all based in the same place. If you missed the entire offseason, we were doing monthly podcasts. Um, and uh, this will be our uh, August podcast, the uh, podcast for August 2016. Um, I'd also like to take the time to mention that the Around the Nation podcast is currently sponsored by nobody. You could be reaching an audience full of Division three decision makers, coaches who need new equipment, who can influence decisions to replace turf, uniforms, all sorts of things by sponsoring the Around the Nation podcast. Keith and I would be waxing poetic about your product or your service right here, right now. Uh, think about it and uh, drop me an email at pat.coleman at d3sports.com. I will say this. Um, our July podcast, the middle of the off season, right? July podcast, uh, 1,300 downloads and listens. And it will be much more than that uh, here for August and even more so during the 16 weeks where we do this on a, a weekly basis. So uh, seriously, uh, drop us a line because, you know, if you listen to any other podcast, if you listen to podcasts like I do, you hear about the same four or five products all the time. None of them are related to college football whatsoever or athletics in any sense of the word. Um, but you could be reaching an audience that is living and breathing that stuff. True. So, I, I was going to name off the Mail, MailChimp, Squarespace, <laughs> Squarespace yeah. uh, Bevels, the hair, the, the shaver that I hear all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I listen to the 538 podcasts a lot. Hot take, take down. Uh, the, the politics one, the what's the point? We're talking about too much stuff that's not about football. We had a, fo- a focus group tell us that our podcasts ramble on too long. Uh, and so we uh, then, over the course of the last couple of years, have gone a little more scripted. Um, we're working without a script this time uh, because, you know, we haven't had any games played yet. So uh, we're kind of uh, flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. But uh, I think, you know... First of all, we're in the same room, so that's good. Secondly, I think we still do this pretty well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to think so. And obviously, the readers are the are the the readers, the listeners are the judge of that. I'm so used to having readers. Um, and At least you didn't say viewers. Well, yeah, I don't know if I've ever had viewers, and you know that wouldn't help. That wouldn't be too good for them. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the season coming up here, because um, it, on the surface, it looks like it may be kind of. Not more of the same, but some of the you know similar teams in the top five, top seven, but uh, but there's some new faces, even just brand new faces to Division Three. Yeah, uh, the the team that's new, the team that took us from 247 to 248 is Nebraska Wesleyan. If you follow another Division Three sport, perhaps where Nebraska Wesleyan plays in Division Three a little bit more regularly, this might not. This might you might look at this and go, well, yeah, of course Nebraska Wesleyan is Division Three. They have been both D3 and NAIA for as long as I can remember, uh, as long as we've been following Division Three football. But they haven't played basically any 
Division three opponents in football in the last 17 years. Uh, I think they played Austin College once in 1999 or something like that. So uh, they come in, they join the Iowa Conference, which, you know, is a little bit stretching the boundaries of Iowa. Uh, Nebraska Wesleyan is in Lincoln. Right. Um, you know, they're uh, obviously the most popular college football team in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's not wearing red. Um, so they, uh, you know, you may not understand how far that is from uh, the other end, which is where uh, University of Dubuque, Dubuque and Loris yeah. are. That's like a six or a five hour drive. They're about 140 miles west of the previous western border of the Iowa Conference, which is Buena Vista. Yeah, and I think that's probably a lot of the reason why they wanted to stay uh, NAIA in football. Um, because they had the natural rivalries and the shorter trips, but uh, but as we'll learn in kickoff, um, there aren't the trips that they have to make even for to play in the Iowa Conference aren't too many overnights. Um, they'll be able to get there and back in the same day, so the cost made sense. The the home uh, fit for them in uh, in D three in Iowa actually will probably work out pretty well, and they may come in as a pretty decent team. You know, a lot of teams come over and they slot in right at the bottom. Of, of an established D3 conference, uh, they may be middle of the pack and, uh, and you know, you know knock off a few teams that you wouldn't expect. You'll be able to learn, uh, of course, detailed preview of Nebraska Wesleyan, but we also have a, a feature about them and their entry into the Iowa Conference uh, in uh, kickoff, which uh, releases, by the way, uh, noon Eastern on August 23rd. Uh, when I say that, Keith gets a little nervous. I see the, uh, the heart palpitations going over there. Um, because uh, we're always a little concerned as to whether we hit that deadline, but we have not actually missed that deadline in the 12 years that we've done this. No, no, I always you know, think maybe we could just cash in one of those extra days and <laughs> nobody will notice if it comes out on Wednesday, right? Um, I would spend most of that extra day answering emails from people. When is kickoff coming out? Right, right. No, it's good to stick to the, to the thing. And obviously we, we function well under pressure. At some point in this process, we always turn the corner and we start to feel a lot better that we, we've got a lot of copy in now at the point that we're at now recording this. Um, and we're just kind of churning through it and, uh, it's interesting stuff. So if you got, if you're out there listening and you're on the fence over whether it's worth your time, it really is. We put it out, uh, 10 days before the season starts. So you get some time, uh, not just to read about your own team, uh, but to read about all the other teams in your conference, the other teams you might, your team might see if you get to the playoffs or, um, you know, other players you might want to know that you may see uh, down the line at some point. Keith and I know how to edit in crunch time. We both worked at daily newspapers. Uh, Keith, for that matter, still does. In fact, this may be news to you, but there are still daily newspapers in this country. Uh, and this town actually has two of them. Go figure. Um, speaking of news, a couple of items of interesting news uh, broke over the course of the last week. Actually, two of them involving coaches, one of them involving a, uh, a, a stadium namesake. For example, um, we talk about uh, what happened at Susquehanna is just mind-boggling to me, Keith. The fact that anyone at any level thought it was appropriate for a booster, the definition of the term, to pay the tuition bill for his team's star-wide receiver so that he could uh, so that he could uh, play last season. That's just mind-boggling to me. Well, it just strikes me as pretty irresponsible because there's... When you pay a bill for someone, there's going to be a paper trail. Unless you you know you bring a bag of pennies into the tuition office and say put it on this guy's account, uh, <laughs> there's you know it's going to be pretty easy to tr- to trace uh, you know how the tuition got paid. Well, so. and I, and my understanding is I've read of course I've read the uh, the detailed report that Susquehanna University put out on it, and then a couple of uh, local uh, media reports. 
uh, the reason that this was finally confirmed, I guess, is that Nicholas Lopardo, who's a 1968 grad, I believe, uh, had the uh, bought the naming rights for the stadium in 2000. Hey, Stagfield to Nicholas Lopardo Stadium. Oh, maybe they could go back to Stagfield. I heard that Stag guy was pretty good. Um, anyway, bragged to Tom Perkovich. I got all these names right, I'm pretty sure. Uh, who's the head coach at Susquehanna saying, hey, by the way, I'm the reason that such and such wide receiver got to play for you last year. Which, of course, you know, as any responsible coach who's been through any uh, modicum of NCA bylaws training and compliance uh, reviews knows, hey, you can't actually do that. Uh, and so, you know, the uh, that kind of reignited a uh, an internal investigation that had already already seemed a little suspicious that his. Uh, Bill got paid suddenly by wire transfer or whatnot a couple of weeks before the season. That was already being looked at, and then it, it turned into what it is. And uh, so on the, basically on the first day of practice, I guess, when the team was gathered together, they announced it to the team, and then it became uh, a, a public release from that. Um, the upshot, Susquehanna vacates its five wins from last year. Vacates is not forfeits. So no, I'm sorry, McDaniel, you still went 0-10. But... Uh, Susquehanna went 0-5. Uh, they're not eligible for the NCAA playoffs this year. Probably not an issue, but also not eligible for the uh, Max Centennial Bowl Series. And I would think that, especially if two Centennial teams went to the playoffs, that there was would have been a potential that Susquehanna might have been the third or fourth place team that could have gotten a, a bowl game out of it. So they, they lose a little bit of that. Not to mention... Uh, just kind of a, a big sore thumb is how they stick out a big black eye in Division Three. Yeah, a black eye probably would probably be, you know, that's the way to describe it. And um, the re- the reason that something like this is, is um, you know, illegal, you, you just can't pay uh, or have people pay the pay the tuition bills for you. It's because, you know, uh, kind of in keeping with the Division Three spirit, um, there are no athletic scholarships. All kinds of aid has to be, uh, you know, either need-based or, or academically deserved. So, And this is not allowed at other divisions either. This is, uh, that's, this is still a booster doing something for a specific player. True, true. I shouldn't say keeping with the Division Three spirits, keeping with the amateur athletic spirit. We will gladly take the we will gladly define the spirit of Division Three though. That's a that's a reference from nineteen ninety nine. Um, other other news that happened over the course of the last week or so, certainly since our last podcast, uh, we mentioned of course teams coming into camp and as that happened uh, Mike Welch, the longtime head coach at Ithaca College, and uh, Matt Kelchner, the only football coach in Christopher Newport University history, each announced to their teams that this would be their final seasons as head coach. So the uh, <laughs> coaching carousel, I don't remember starting turning uh, three weeks before the season actually started, but uh, for for Welch, who had, I think, kind of the unenviable uh, task of having to follow uh, you know, Coach Butterfield at Ithaca, um, had a long, successful career. Kelchner did everything that could be done with Christopher Newport, uh, took them to the playoffs in their first year, you know, several playoff trips since. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a good run for them. It'll be interesting to see if they get a boost, if their teams, which are probably projected to finish below 500, get a little boost out of this and those guys last year. Yeah, certainly when we sat down to rank 1 to 248, uh, the way we thought about Ithaca and Christopher Newport changed a little bit when we realized uh, this will be the last season playing for the only coach you, you've ever known. Uh, players do have generally emotion, emotional attachments to their coaches, and uh, usually positive ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you want to punch the guy or run away from him, but um, or both. <clears throat> I think in, in this case, you know, it, it 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 
changed the way we we thought about this season coming up. Uh, you know, for Christopher Newport, a lot has changed since they came in in the Dixie Conference. Ooh, so if you true, if you are um, you know a listener who's joined us in the past, in this year or in the past couple of years, uh, you don't remember that before it was the USA South, it was the Dixie. Christopher Newport was one of the only football schools in the part of Virginia that's known as Hampton Roads or Tidewater. So they had a, a very uh, instant recruiting break base when they opened up. Their schools yeah. cheaper than a lot of the schools in Virginia, and so they instantly became a uh, playoff caliber team in that conference. And now they've grown up. Uh, they're they're now in a, in a more regional conference. They play in the in the NJAC, which for them is you know, a lot of their games are now five six hour ride. Um, but they're in a more prominent. It's going to say, and some of them are sixty minutes of hell too. <laughs> um, they're in a more more prominent conference, and um, you know on the on the Ithaca side of things, uh, they, they couldn't couldn't be much more prominent than they were, uh, you know, at at the height of of their uh, their dominance. And and Mike Welch kept Ithaca relevant for uh, for quite a long time. They've they've had a couple off years now in the past couple of years, so we'll see, um, it, you know, if they can kind of start turning that corner back to being a pretty consistent winning playoff caliber team this season um we were looking at uh what we talked about in this podcast last year for example and uh the question of course about the purple powers never goes away uh, we've had two purple teams in the stag bowl every year since 2003 we've had one purple team in the stag bowl every year since 1999 um but again this is another one of those years where you look at mount union and the just the number of players they have back and you you just you know if if you had if if we hadn't seen them do this so many times before, you'd kind of do that double check and maybe you know if you were a preseason magazine, you might look and say, hey, Mount Union only has nine of its twenty-two starters back. I'm going to rank them number four or something. It, I just I f- still feel like uh, it's going to take a couple of times of Mount Union not making the Stag Bowl before you can legitimately uh, not assume that they're going to make the the Stag Bowl every year. Yeah, and you know, when we did the preseason poll in July, I guess it was, you know, I spent a lot of time on the top five trying to figure out who's who. And uh, not only does Mount Union not bring a lot back, but some of the other teams that are that are generally the best teams in D3 don't bring their stars back. Or in the case of St. Thomas, they do bring one of their star players back, but they lost a pretty good, pretty 20, good class. 26 yeah. seniors or something. So, yeah. you know, you can't automatically assume St. Thomas is going back to the Stag Bowl either. Uh, you know, Linfield was was pretty loaded, but lost pretty decisively at St. Thomas last year. You got Mary Harden Baylor. You have Wesley now. Joe Callahan's in the NFL and not under center for the Wolverines. So there's a lot of churn there at the top. And Pat, you, you definitely mentioned it. Mount Union. There have been there have been times when they've lost star players, when they've lost a big crop of seniors, and it's it's natural for us to say, well, you know, they're, they're just not the team they were last year. Look at what they lost. Yeah, they're probably going to take a step back. But the the thing about Mount Union is they're they're usually a you know hundred and some odd two hundred kids in the program. They're playing JV games. They're playing they're, the, the they're third. They're getting and fourth in quarter. right. They're getting yeah. in the second half. They're playing five extra weeks. Yeah. Uh, so so the top fifty eight guys on that roster practice longer than a lot of their opponents. So when they move new starters into the lineup, a lot of those guys have experience or clearly talented, or they wouldn't have ended up at Mount Union in the first place. So it, it's it's. It's uh, not safe to assume that they're definitely going to take a step back. Um, 
you know, we just don't know until we see them. In all honesty, Mount Union could take a step back, but they have been two to three steps ahead of everybody else. So how do you even know, really? Yeah, that's a that's a very good way to put it. You're right there because you know you don't want to diminish the type of talent that they lost. Um, but but who just just who knows what kind of talent is coming in in the next wave? And if you look at the schedule, they do have a couple of um, of the the tougher uh, OAC teams early on in the schedule. But they'll they'll get a chance to to get right early on. And you know you know for them, the seasons are defined really in December and not in uh, you know September, October, November. <laughs> not even in the first couple rounds of the playoffs, really. That is that is so true. Um, but if you are a fan of one of the other two hundred and forty seven teams, hey. Uh, well, okay, 237, I guess. We take the NESCAC out of this uh, equation, right? Because they don't participate in the playoffs. But regardless, um, you have as much reason to hope this year as, as any other year, I think. And maybe a little bit more so. You can uh, you can look at those teams on paper and go, yeah, okay. We can get a couple steps closer to these guys. If you were, um, um, for example, let's say you were Wabash. Uh, Wabash, obviously, similar to a lot of the other teams we've talked about, has lost a lot, uh, including head coach and including uh, you know coordinators um, and you know the a two thousand yard rusher and all sorts of things. But Wabash worked its way up to where it was ostensibly the top of tier two and a half. I don't know the the, the best of the rest, right? I, we we have the, we have the two or three teams at the top. Then we had the the sandwich, the tier that includes like the Wesleys and the Oshkoshes and 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 uh, Linfield and Mary Harden Baylor, and then. And then Wabash at the very top of that next group because they beat all of the other teams that are not in power conferences. Like, you know, they beat uh, Thomas Moore, for example, is a really good example of what they did. And Thomas Moore beat the ODAC champ and Wabash beat the MIAA champ. It's like all the other teams that were in those conferences, Wabash was definitely at the top of that list. Yeah, and I think when you come into the season from a, from a Wabash perspective or, you know, some of the other teams that are, that are you know, consistently top 25 have hope of, of winning um, you know, going a couple rounds deep in the playoffs. You mentioned Oshkosh. You know, that may be a team, if if I'm to give a hint here and kick off, that you may see some pretty positive press when uh, when we look at the the WIAC predictions. Look, there are a lot of teams at this point in the season that they're just going to focus on themselves at this point and trying to trying to um, you know ease in new starters, blend a new lineup together, get off to a good start early in the season. Um, they probably don't spend a lot of time right now thinking about what, what they're, um, where they slot in nationally. But that's our job, and, and that's part of the reason why we rank uh, all the teams in kickoff. Uh, we rank all the conferences. Uh, we'll rank within each conference. You know, we have a, a specific predicted somewhat, order of finish. right. We'll take yeah. a look at each conference uh, itself, and uh, and and so if you're the type of fan who wants who wants to think eleven weeks ahead and start thinking about. Who would be trouble for us in the playoffs? Uh, that's all in in kickoff as well. You know, you get to learn a little bit about Mountain Union and Linfield and St. Thomas and Mary Harden Baylor and Wesley. Even if you're a fan of a team that's you know not going to play any of those teams for the first eleven weeks. This is not meant to be fully a forty minute promo of kickoff, um, and I, I'm not saying that we're going to get done in forty minutes either. I'm just kind of looking at where the clock is now, uh, but. Uh, I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on a couple of things. One thing that uh, is a column that you do or a feature that you do every year in kickoff is you go beyond the top 25 teams and you're looking for teams that might have breakout seasons or might be on your radar who you not uh, would not normally consider. Any of those you want to talk about at this point? Yeah, I mean, the, I'll talk more about the, the concept of it, I guess, because we're still in the, in the place where we're 
kind of revealing who some of those teams are, are going to be. Um, but the idea behind it, of course, is you know anybody can look at what happened last year and kind of re- you know reorder the teams basically the way they finished the year before. And so the goal for kickoff was always to go beyond that. And you the you know the top twenty five poll has been out for a couple weeks now, so you don't need to buy kickoff for that. But what I would always, as a fan, really want to know is okay, who's gonna come out of nowhere that we haven't that that you know I I know Mount Union's gonna be good. How good you know. That you you read kickoff to to find out that, but but there's going to be a, um some teams and it happens every year whether it's like a you know like an MIT that's like this nine and zero darling type of story or some team that was you know won four games or six games last year but but has been creeping up headed in the right direction and maybe primed to take a leap this year coming up um, there there will be a surprising result at some point during the season like when Albion uh, beat. Wisconsin Stevens Point last year, we you know we wouldn't have seen that coming because you think well you know pretty good team in the MIAA is not like a pretty good team in the WAC. So the the goal for for beyond the top twenty five is always to try to root out some of those things that may happen down the road. One of the things I'm always looking for is lots of starters back, um, teams that have been heading in the right direction, teams that have been caught in like three way ties or a four way where the they've been good but they just the top of their conference has been really good and maybe a couple of those teams will slide back um you know just to name a few that are that are on the radar here that will probably appear in that column uh, uh loris is one frostburg state is another one you don't normally think of as a top team in the NJAC, but um but we seem to like them uh hendrix stevenson um i, I don't know if st lawrence qualifies because they were a playoff team last year but they're you know, someone who a team that could that could make a jump into into you know national respectability. So I think there there will be a lot of lot of um, that's that's my one of my favorite things to do in kickoff is to go. All right, we got these twenty five teams. We got the thirty two playoff teams from last year. Now who else is going to be good this season, and how can we find out find that out before you know November fifth or whatever? So keep an eye out for that. Um, so those are teams that might get better, right? Or teams that uh, have been below the radar. I also want to talk about teams that have been on the radar, a couple of them, and just have some uh, some massive losses. Or even if they don't have massive losses, big question marks. Um, one of them out in uh, my neck of the woods. There's, not, there's, there's, there's some woods, I guess. Um, is uh, Gustavus Adolphus, which you know I think... It, for a span of probably about 12 or 15 consecutive podcasts, we talked about, well, yeah, they're doing really well, but they have this gauntlet at the end of the season where all the good teams in the MIAC are their uh, last four games of the regular season. And that's, uh, that's Concordia Moorhead. And that's, uh, that was uh, St. Thomas and St. John's and Bethel. And yep. for two years in a row, they started six and zero, and then had that gauntlet at the end. Uh, one year, they lost all four last year. They managed to win one of them, so they ended up seven and three. Great season by recent Gustavus standards, um, except yeah, Mitch Hendricks, the quarterback, he graduated. Both Matt and Jeremy Boyce, I think that's the, I think those are the right Boyces, uh, the wide receivers graduated, unless one of them played for Trinity in nineteen ninety nine. It's again, it all it. been doing it so long, it all runs together. Uh, those guys both graduated. They lost, uh, they lost a lot. Yeah, and and. Sometimes teams lose these big senior classes. You mentioned it was St. Thomas. And those are the classes. Uh, we talk about it all the time with newer programs coming along. When they get to that third or fourth year together, even that fifth year, those classes are the classes that propel teams from you know three wins to five wins to seven wins to maybe the playoffs. Sometimes, though, it's just 
having like an elite quarterback that puts a team over there. It's like a pretty solid program has that great quarterback. And you, you mentioned it with Gustavus. It's also true of, of probably maybe Guilford. Um, it's their team. We've seen it happen in the past with uh, John Carroll after Mark Myers left, stepped back. Case Western after Dan Whalen. I'm sure you could think of other examples where the quarterback, one really good quarterback, just put it put a team you know from pretty good to really good. And so now we're really curious to see what Gustavus is going to be this year without Mitch Hendricks. And I think the same with Guilford. The interesting thing about Guilford is they they return like nine of the other ten guys on offense. Uh, and the ODAC is very winnable. I mean, you know, nobody runs away and hides in the ODAC at all since you know Bridgewater. Uh, in 2000 whatever so uh, they could very easily be almost as good or they could win the title and not be as good as they were last year yeah and and you know that's we talked about the 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 level of backups at mountain union they always have somebody waiting in the wings you don't know at at a program that's not nearly as established do they have a quality guy back there do they have someone that can put up the kind of numbers uh that matt Pawlowski did we will find out and then that's sort of the fun of the season um, especially, yeah, you know, if you're a quarterback coming in, you'd love to have that the, the offensive line back, receivers to throw to, backs to hand off to, makes your job easy. So uh, that's that's really the one of the things I think we will look forward to this season is how those teams have the key losses. There are a lot of big quarterbacks um, missing elsewhere. OAC, um, some of the you know the national teams we mentioned, Callahan. Uh, Therese Scott from Mountain Union gone. So how teams replace those, those quarterbacks is a big focus. Uh, another storyline that we're kind of keeping our eye on uh, is the President's Athletic Conference. They've got 11 teams for football. Um, and so that means you really can't play a full round robin because we only get to play 10 games in Division Three. So this year, because of whatever rotation or formula or pulling names out of a hat, uh, function they did in the pack office to create this schedule. Case Western Reserve, which was, you know, pretty good last year, right? They won some games. Uh, they don't play Washington and Jefferson. And they don't play Thomas Moore. They could, uh, Thomas Moore and W&J play each other, but uh, you could very easily end up with two unbeaten teams at the top of the pack standings when uh, the dust or the rubber pellets settle in November. Yeah, and not that you could put any more pressure on that that Thomas Moore W&J game, but that's really big if it knocks a team that may be the second best team if it knocks them down to potentially third. Um, you know, you really don't want to get knocked out of that mix because then, you know, you, you don't know what your chances are of uh, of, of getting in that large bid either. And it's already kind of, you know, <clears throat> unlikely when you come from one of the, the I don't say fringe conferences because the pack is pretty solidly in the middle of the pack. But right. Uh, finish second place there, no guarantee you'll, you'll get at-large consideration. So, W&J uh, and Thomas Moore actually know that very well from the past few uh, years. I didn't want to you know rub it in and oh, bring it sorry. up. But uh, um, there was a case like this pretty, maybe a couple years ago, where Kenyon, I think, was in the mix <laughs> in the North Coast <laughs> right. up until like week 10 or week 11 because they didn't, didn't play, play Wittenberg, Wittenberg or play Wabash. Wabash. Yeah. So, yeah, this this can happen when the conference grows beyond. Usually, uh, you get to ten teams. You got the nine games and the one, um, the one non-conference game. That's about as big as you can get. Once you get past, uh, you know, ten, you know, ten, like a pack has eleven teams. Uh, you, you know, these these type of things are bound to happen every few years when the schedule cycles around. Yeah, eleven teams, but not twelve, because even in Division Three, if you have twelve, you can split into two divisions and play a title game. 
Uh, the Midwest Conference did that for the past couple of years. But Carroll, uh, moving from the Midwest Conference to the CCIW, leaves just 11 teams in the Midwest Conference for now until the University of Chicago joins in a couple of years. So they are also playing an unbalanced schedule. But at least the top contenders, is, you know, at a, at a first glance, are playing each other. Certainly Monmouth and St. Norbert, who are uh, the, the two teams that have been consistently at the top of the standings over the past few years, they play each other. And not only that, they play each other on November 8th, which is sufficiently late in the season to, uh, to suit my tastes, if nothing else. And, of course, that is all that matters. Sure, sure it is. No, uh, um, moving away from the Division Three field of play for just a moment here. Uh, you mentioned Joe Callahan earlier and uh, his uh, uh, current trip in the NFL. Is uh, uh, first of all, of course, you know the the craziness with which the uh, NFL's Hall of Fame game did not happen meant that Callahan did not have an opportunity to play on national television with the first string offense and the first string offensive line. But he did get a chance to play with them uh, in their, what became their preseason opener, which would be a week ago, Friday. I guess that would have been the, I have no idea what day this is. This is Tuesday. So this must be Cleveland. I don't know. Anyway, it happened uh, uh, about a week ago by the time you guys get to hear this. And by the way, he did, he did really well. And the cool part about it from my perspective is, um, and, and really, this is probably speaking for most of us listening, is that, um, you know, you may not root for Wesley during the season. You may even root against him. But a guy gets from from D3 gets into the NFL and suddenly we're all we're rooting for him, you know. And and uh, when that game was canceled, you know, Twitter kind of lit up that night in the D3 circle. Now the, the national, you know, people just watch the NFL Packers fans probably were just were being snarky about it. Oh, I didn't get to see Joe Callahan play tonight but some of us were like man we didn't get to see joe callahan play tonight like it was a um it was a big deal and it's and it is for us and so now um you know we're gonna root for for joe to to continue to do well and make the roster um packers fans probably don't want to see him play during the season because that means aaron Rodgers isn't playing so uh so there's there's that but um i just think it's cool when you know when you see all of us as adversaries and then we all put that aside to to get behind a guy and uh, you know, because I don't believe there are any D three players drafted this this past season. This is kind of the Joe's kind of the the, the great hope. You know, there were always other other guys bouncing around camps or guys who were um, you know a couple years ago, not even huge names necessarily in D three. I'm thinking of Dante Dye, who was a Heidelberg guy who's kind of got a role now in Tampa Bay. You root for him. You root for uh, Rashid Bailey, who was from Delaware Valley, who bounced around practice squads last year. For him to find a job, and uh, and you know, of course, uh, there are the there's the Pierre Garcon and and Cecil Shorts of, of the world too. Yeah, so there's a yeah, there's a very few established guys uh, from Division Three in the NFL. Um, the, the trying to go back and find the last last time a Division Three quarterback played in an NFL game. Obviously, we know you know last year, of course, uh, it happened, but you know before that. It it uh, it just is it's very rare that a D three quarterback gets a gets an opportunity. Yeah, I mean Matt Barrett was from from Whitewater, right? With the yeah, with the, and he's like bouncing. He's been bouncing around practice right. squads. Um, you know, you don't have to be a, a trick shot quarterback in order to get uh, to get your opportunity. But right. you know that certainly helped. I get helped him get on the radar. You know, D three quarterbacks are just not typically six three six four like Joe Callahan is. Um, I almost said was, but I, I'm sure he probably still is that yeah, height. Yeah, you don't, you don't shrink. Yeah, not at that age. Um, 
So there's just there have not been a lot of opportunities. There've been so many great Division three quarterbacks who have pro style games, but don't have yeah. pro don't have pro style measurables, or just haven't been fortunate enough to get an opportunity. Well, I mean, think about it too. There's 120 quarterbacks in D1 and another, you know, 90 something in D2 and, and FCS and mm-hmm. uh, NAI. So you're, you're and then you're taking 240 um, some odd guys in D3, and you know, just the cream of the crop. Uh, will get a workout, and then to get a chance uh, on top of that, and then to play in the preseason, and to impress enough to make the roster. That's like you know four hurdles you have to to get over. I mean, we talked um, in one of the earlier offseason podcasts about uh, about Griffin Neal and kind of his winding way just to get an opportunity to throw yeah. for scouts. So it's it's you know it's going to be tough. Uh, you're at, if you're at a D3 school to get that opportunity, and, and whenever we see someone get it. You know, we certainly are rooted for him. But I do not mean to give short shrift to Alex Tanny, uh, who, who similarly to, yeah, yeah. bounced around several places within several organizations before the Titans gave him an opportunity to play in a game at the end of last season in which I think they were trying to throw the game in order to, I, I might, maybe I'm not supposed to say that out loud, uh, preserve their draft status. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, Roger Goodell is going to send a cease and desist letter any moment. Um but no, seriously. Uh, hey, Goodell's a W and J guy. You never know. He might listen. No, I'm just kidding. I, that seems highly unlikely. It but he could he could sponsor highly, the podcast. Highly too. unlikely. It's super high. Luke Ravenstall could sponsor the podcast. Also, W and J grad. Now we're just digging into the stuff we know because we know it. <laughs> that probably means it's a close to time to wrap this thing up. I, I don't think we have a, a lightning round to bring you necessarily in this particular instance. And, um, you know, we had done this uh, slate of off-season podcasts where we had uh, interviews with three guests, um, which was, I think, a a really successful thing. I think people enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed having the opportunity to talk to coaches when I wasn't specifically asking them, okay, who's going to be your backup inside left linebacker? Um, It was nice to have a different kind of conversation with coaches. Uh, So we will continue to do that during the course of this season. We're not going to be able to devote maybe to the 12 to 15 minutes with a coach that we've done over the offseason because, you know, our focus group is still like, hey, your podcasts are way too long, guys, (laughs) even though they don't listen to that anymore. Um, Well, we're going to try to find uh, three to five minutes with a coach in each podcast uh, coming up this season. It might be a a post-game interview at a game that we're at or certainly something that's drawn from one of the big news items of that Friday or Saturday. We will try to turn around and get them on Skype on Saturday night or Sunday afternoon in order to get that into the podcast, which will drop into your podcast players on Monday morning. So we will be doing that. Uh, the next time we'll chat with you guys, at least in this format, will be Labor Day. That's that's we're breaking down the results of Week One by Labor Day. That's right. It's, uh, it's one of yeah. those years where the calendars are on a little bit of an early cycle. So so Labor Day is uh, September fourth, uh, uh, September fifth, I guess. Yeah, right. Fifth. The Sunday's Monday. the fourth. Monday's the fifth. So we will uh, we'll be uh, we'll be doing that. So uh, if you. Uh, do listen to our podcast and you enjoy it, please consider rating it in your uh, podcast provider and your podcast store. Uh, that will help other football fans find it. And this was Around the Nation podcast number 151, released on or about August 18th, 2016. Thanks for listening and tune in for the rest of our coverage here as we get you ready for not only kickoff with a capital K on August 23rd, but kickoff with all of the capital letters on Thursday, September 1st. Uh, he's Keith McMillan, I'm Pat Coleman, and thanks for following Division Three Football on D3Football. I thought you were going lowercase there.
No, I think, man, I think, you know, as, as important as kickoff, the production is to us, the actual kickoff of the actual Division Three football season, yeah, that, that deserves all the capital letters you can give it. If I'm looking at that Washington and Lee Johns Hopkins game on opening night, which I'm still, you know, probably 60% chance of getting to myself, uh, that deserves uh, the accolades. And, you know, yeah, sure, so do the other five games, four games, and all those games on the second, and uh, then all those games on the third.